Praise the Lord. I'm sure we can all say amen to that, can we? A big amen. Not just in financial ways or materialistic ways, but the way He's blessed us with His Word, His grace, His light, His mercy, His truth. We're a blessed people. Amen. Let's turn tonight and we'll hear a little bit more about how blessed we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians six sixteen. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. So then, what does that make people who aren't the temple of the living God? Temples of idolatry. People who aren't Christians are worshiping idols. You know who their biggest idol is? Themselves. They sacrifice unto idols. Well, I'm sorry y'all didn't know that. That's what they do. They drink, they smoke, they carouse, they run around. What are they doing? Sacrificing to idols. Committing idolatry. So what do you do when you're living right? Worshiping God. Glorifying God. What do you do when you deny yourself? Worshiping God. When you love your enemies, what are you doing? Worshiping God. Denying yourself. If you was committing idolatry, you'd be serving yourself. Making yourself the center of everything. That's idolatry. As God hath said, I will dwell in them. You see, that's not possible if you're an idolater. Mm. Self-centered people do not have the Holy Ghost. I guess we all might as well go home. I've done made everybody mad. Now, I'm not saying that self-centered people that fight that cannot be filled with the Holy Ghost, but a person who is absolutely self-centered under self-control cannot be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will bring yourself subject to the Word of God that lives in you. That's right. So it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the program of God. That's right. Now, notice what God said. I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. There's no room for idolatry in that type of a life. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Amen. Ain't that wonderful? How many would like to be remembered tonight before the Lord as we pray? Um, I think Brother Lewis said that he had made this announcement already with Sister Benton. You know, most of the time when the doctors say cancer in certain organs of their body, they pretty much just write you off and give you so much time. But aren't you glad we're serving a God tonight that goes beyond that? Well, Lord knows this situation with our 
precious Sister Benton is mass that's in her liver, but we want to just take it before the Lord tonight in your need and your request and lay it there at his altar. Heavenly Fathers, we bow our heads to the dust of the earth from whence this body was taken. And we know without the rapture taking us away, eventually we'll all wind up back in that same earth that we came out of, our bodies. But we're so grateful that you have made a way that we will not stay there. We're thankful, Father, that when we leave this life, our soul goes on, ventures into the theophany, and we're into that word body that was formed for us. But Lord, until that time, we're so grateful that you have made a way for healing when we're sick, encouragement when we're down. Father, you see the need of our Sister Wilma Benton, Lord, and Lord, you see her and Brother Jack's been through a lot in the last couple of years together. Father, we're just asking for your grace that you would help our brother and sister. Lord, whenever we hear this type of report from doctors, naturally, it cannot keep from alarming us anytime they say the word tumor or mass or cancerous or something like that. The human element just, it just sends a fear through us, Lord. But we're grateful that the indwelling presence of the mighty God helps us to conquer all of our fears. We know that you're the God who made these bodies and cancer in the liver is no more than a headache or a toothache to you. So we're bringing our sister before you tonight, fathers. We've already been doing now for, for several weeks since we've been hearing of her situation. And we're just believing you that the outcome will be pleasing to you, Father. You brought us on this earth to serve your purpose. No cancer, no automobile accident, no other kind of calamity can take us from this world until you are finished with us. And when you are finished with us living life, we are finished with life. So therefore, when you call us home, we do not lose. You are ready and we are ready. So, Father, I pray that you be mindful of every need, every request tonight as we endeavor to break the bread of life. Help us, Heavenly Father. Anoint me, Lord. Give me the words to speak. Shut my mouth to anything that would be displeasing to you, Father. Open our hearts that we can receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I hope you can understand the groundwork of where we'd like to go tonight. Many people, when they come to the Lord, they approach Him as being Almighty God, sovereign, great, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-sufficient. And that is a, it's a wonderful way to approach Him in one degree. But for many, they never actually move into a state of Him being truly Father. Now, they maintain that walk with God the most of their years under a degree of great fear. A fear that if they displease Him, He's out to get them. If they mess up, He's just waiting for the opportunity to turn something loose on them and punish them and 
really get after them. But yet, we know that that is not what God wants, especially for the elect. Now, I realize that for those that are non-elect, to try to enter into the intimate relationship of St. John 15, 16, 17, it will pretty much be a dream of phenomenal something that will be unattainable. It's something they will read about. No doubt a part of them wish they could have it. But in reality, if you're not one of His chosen, you'll never be able to have what we're fixing to talk about unless He allocated that to be part of who you are. Now, the way I believe in sovereignty, let me just express to you the way I understand it. I don't believe non-elect will ever quite thirst for the living God the way the elect will. I believe they'll have a hunger for God. They'll have a desire to know Him in the free pardon of sin. They won't want to meet Him with eyes full of wrath and judgment and all that. No, they won't want to meet Him that way. They will never want to meet Him without a, a lawyer, one to go between them and the justice of God. They will long to be free as far as what church entity can produce to them in the understanding of freedom. They will want to pray to Him. They'll want to make their petitions known to Him. They will want to talk to Him, yes, but they still won't want the same thing in the same measure as the elect. You say, how can you say that? Well, it's quite simple, really. No doubt many of you would have loved to have been able to have been around Brother Branham, Paul, John, Peter. No doubt some of you wish you could be around me more than what you are. No doubt you wish that you'd be able to be around men of God and spend time with them and be able to just, just talk, just go out and eat and just, you know, just be around them. But yet, you wouldn't want that the way my wife would. Now, oh, I wish I could spend time with Brother Donnie. Ah, oh, see right there lets me know. You do not want it in the same way my wife or my children or my grandchildren. Now, why? Relationship makes all the difference in the understanding of communion. Now, for those of you, 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 most of you would never want to go to my house and stay with me for a day or a night or two or three days or whatever, but my grandchildren have no problem in saying, Poppy, when can I come up and stay with you? It's been, it's been several weeks, or I want to stay with you. Well, most of you, unless you're just nuts, you just wouldn't say, Brother Donnie, I'm going home with you tonight. I'd say, no, you're not. I don't even know you. You're not going home with me. 
But one of my grandkids want to come home with me and spend the night. Poppy, uh, can, can we do this? Poppy, will you take us to Dairy Queen to get us a blast? Sure. Let me work it out. Absolutely. Most of you aren't going to ask me for that, are you? Because you don't know me well enough to feel comfortable in doing so. So they will ask me things that you will never ask me. And they will not feel condemned in asking me. They will not feel embarrassed or ashamed or humiliated. Because of their relationship with me, it gives them this freedom to be able to ask and petition and believe that they are not infringing upon the love. Now, why will they do that? Because of past experiences that they have already had with me. They know I love them. And they know that I am a doty grandpa. They know that I love them. Now, I will correct them if they're wrong. They'll let you know that. But they know also that if it's within reason, if there's any way possible, I will try to do it. But others of you would never ask that. Go ask Brother Donnie for $50. Are you nuts? I'd never ask him for that. I'd ask the deacons first. And I don't even want to ask them. I'd ask, there ain't no way. I, well, why? Because you don't know me. You think I'm this mean, cantankerous guy that cracks a whip all the time from the pulpit well see you really don't know I'm a big softy in all reality but you see my children my grandchildren my brother my sister-in-law those that really really know me they know what kind of person that I am and in that position then it, it would allow them to ask of me things it would allow them to say things to me toward me in a way that they would feel comfortable in doing so now the same with the Lord Jesus in the way that he knows his bride he can ask things of her that he would never ask of the church in the first place because he knows who the church is now the church will be saved and they will be many many more of the church than there will be the bride when well, the prophet gives us given different numbers and all that one in a million but he also says in the future home that the church will be eight times the number of the bride Comparing it, of course, with Noah and with Enoch. So eight times of what the bride will be. So God will never have the, the, the church preachers preach to them the same type of material that God has the bride preachers to preach to the bride. Praise the Lord. And God would never ask of them. Now being bride is a great blessing, but there also comes great responsibility with it. So God don't just give us more, but God asks more of us. And God demands more of us, amen, than he does the church. So there is blessing, but there is also responsibility. So the Lord Jesus would never ask the church to do what he will ask you to do. He'll never even ask them to give up what he asks you to give up. You say, well, he asked me to give up so much. But look at what he's given you. Look at the song you're singing about he's been so good to you. And he's blessed you so much. So to him... He is not asking you more than what is deserving or reciprocating and what he's given to you already. Is that right? 
Now, if you love him right, you'll, you'll know that's true too. But if God wants to ask of the church, then in the same measure that he asks of the bride, and that's, I can't do that. There's no way I can. And many of them are telling the truth. I cannot live that way. I cannot dress that way. Don't never expect me to give up my pants. Well, don't never expect me to give up my rock and roll and my makeup. I can't do it. Well, for the most part, God will never ask them because God won't even have their preachers to preach against it because many of their pastors listen to rock and roll as well. And many of their pastors smoke and they have all kinds of habits and whatever more. So how can they preach higher than they live? Right? But God does not consider it out of proportion or out of fittingness to ask you to quit doing this and this. You know, live the right kind of life because it is fitting for who you are called to be. You understand? Now, what's this then that father in the way that he relates this to what Paul is identifying those as he called in verse 16? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. For as God has said, I will dwell in them. Now, this is not just a person that is saved. And remember, the majority of Christendom, they are forgiven, they are justified, and a few of them, thank God, still left that are sanctified but for the most part they are not the indwelling presence of the amorphe of God it is not the personality of God by the baptism of the Holy Ghost living in the majority of the American church people's hearts or the world as far as that goes so this scripture even though they might quote it and they might preach from it in reality they do not have deity inside of them you don't have that by believing Believing on the Lord Jesus, you have that by the Lord Jesus being inside of you. And the church said, so then Paul now addresses this type of holy walk to those that he previously in verse 16 calls the temple of the living God. For ye are the temple of the living God as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Now he's not speaking to those then that are just going to be saved and that's all they ever be. You realize that many, many millions of people, they will never get any farther than Calvary. They'll never get any farther than the cross. Their whole life, they will love Calvary. They will love the cross. They'll never move into sanctification. They'll never move into the baptism of the Holy Ghost because they will be taught by their pastors they got the Holy Ghost when they got saved. So you receive it all in one big package, I reckon. So you get saved, sanctified all in one big dose, and you get it, it's forever yours, you can do whatever you want to from thereafter. And so God never even dwells with him in this higher wall. But for those that God is in, and God is living in, and they are actually his temple, then God calls to them and said, now to you, I expect a higher wall. I expect more consecration. I expect more dedication, more sanctification. And to you, I will be your God. And I will be your father and I will dwell in you. 
Now notice he said, speaking to those that are the temple of God, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now notice what follows after they themselves have already received him in the new birth. They've been justified, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And then verse 18, it leaves on into this deeper stage of communion. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So now their reward of separation is the full manifestation of divine fatherhood. Listen now, their reward, their reward for separation is the full manifestation of divine fatherhood. Now there are many that are calling God Father, that in reality He is not their Father, He is their Savior. But there are many, of course, in the earth today that are calling Him Father, and rightly so. Because for many, they believe when they get saved, He becomes their Father. But we understand He is only your Father if the seed gene inside of you is from Him. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to rock your boat a little bit. The Lord Jesus did not come to save every human being that ever lived after the dying of his death on the cross. He never shed his blood for everybody. He never come to the earth to get everybody. Well, I'm telling you one thing. If he did, he's going to be a whole disappointment all through eternity. He come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now his blood is open and millions can receive that salvation and be saved if they so desire. But he come to get those whose names was in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. That's right. And he will be a complete success in what he was sent to do. That's right. Now, notice this in verse 17. He said, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, after they've done become the temple of God, after they've done become into this sanctified wall, then God will receive them after that. That's what Paul said. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, what is this unhindered? communion and fellowship. Notice how Paul picks it up in Hebrews 13, 13. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp. Now here Paul is taking a tithe, of course, of the scapegoat. And this was of course done once a year when the high priest would take by representation and lay all the sins of the people of Israel on the head of a goat. Now there was two goats there, of course, one was taken and killed and the other one was let go into the wilderness by a clean man. So here the the high priest would transfer all the sins of the people on the head of this goat. It was called the scapegoat. Then a man, which was a clean man, would take this and he would go beyond the camp. He would go way out beyond where everybody lived and he would turn that goat loose in the wilderness and that goat was out there bearing the sins of the children of Israel. Now we know, of course, that the Lord Jesus met both of those types in that he was the antitype 
understand that he was the one that was slain, but he was also the scapegoat. So he had to go beyond their camp, the camp of Phariseeism, the camp of Sadduceeism, the camp of all their ideologies. He had to go beyond the camp bearing our reproach. Now here Paul picks up that same type and he tells us, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp. So where did Paul put him? Beyond the camp. I'll tell you today, friends, you're not going to find the fullness of Jesus in the denominations. Why? Because he's beyond their camp. Well, let me bring it on down to you a little closer. You're not going to find him in some of these message moves either. These message moves that's forming around this great man and that great man and that great man, you'll never find the real true baptism of the Holy Ghost and many of these man-following camps around the message of the hour. You'll find the Lord Jesus in a real genuine Holy Ghost-filled experience when you die out and you're born again, right? So what have we done? We've made seven thunder camps and two soul camps and return ministry camp and this camp and that camp. If you ever find him, you're going to have to go beyond all them camps because Jesus ain't in them camps. Well, I know we don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. Notice, let us therefore go. Notice, and what we're going to do, let us go therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. So here we go in anatype of the scapegoat also. And the scapegoat bore the sin, bore the reproach. And as we go beyond the camp, why are we going beyond it? Because we didn't find him in there. We recognize his fullness was not welcome. I hope and pray to God it's never said about our church that it's that way. I hope and pray to God that it's never said about our hearts, that our hearts are not a welcome place for the Lord Jesus to live. Come on, friends. So let us then go unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. How many say amen to that? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. How often, every time you feel it, oh my, every time the anointing runs over you, Brother Frank, that's when you're supposed to praise him. You're supposed to praise him continually. Notice what Paul calls this a sacrifice of praise, which means most of the time you're going to be asked to do it when you don't feel it, when it's not running up and down your arms in the anointing. It's no sacrifice to praise God when it's all over you and the anointing is just empowering you, but it is a sacrifice to praise Him and love Him with all of your heart. Now, it ain't no sacrifice to go through a motion, go through a form and go through a routine. God don't want a routine. God wants it with all of our hearts, with all that we are, and we're supposed to give the sacrifice to Him how often? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So this is our fruitful service. Now notice again 2 Timothy 2.21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. As world conformity.
conformity. Now world conformity will take all of these things away from us. They will take our sacrifice of praise. They will take our consecration and our love to God. That's right. But here the Lord Jesus is the model. So he himself was absolutely sinless. We believe that, do we not? He was a life that was above sin, never said one thing wrong, never done one thing wrong, but yet he was not in the self-style, self-starch hypocrisy of Phariseeism to where don't touch me, don't get around me, don't you get around me, I'm better than you. Never looked down his nose on anybody. Come on. Never looked at anybody and said I'm better than you, though he could have said I'm better than you all. Notice Hebrews 7, 26, for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. And yet in such contact with them for their salvation that the Pharisees felt like he forsook his Nazarite covenant. Now this is why it was so perplexing to them to try to understand holiness and sanctification and set-apartness. They did not understand it because they felt like it was totally natural. But remember, they're coming from a natural law. The law, the Torah, the Mishnah gave them no spiritual enlightenment in their soul. It was a natural law given to a natural man on a natural mountain on what? Tables of stone. That ought to tell you something right there. But here the Lord Jesus come. He said, separate from sinners, undefiled, but yet he got around some of the worst, rotten, low-down sinners of that day and was never contaminated by one of them. Why was he around them? Now, the Lord Jesus was not around them because he loved their conversation. He was not around them because he loved the way they was living, that secretly he loved prostitutes. He did not love drinking. He did not love running around. But he was around them in order to impart to them divine nature. You see, when we understand this, it helps us to see that we also are separate from the world. We're separated. We're apart. But when we get around them, it's not so that we can gain something from them. It's not because we love hearing their smutty jokes or we love hearing the things they say. We actually, that repels us if we're born again. But we are there in just in case God could take our little light or our little handful of salt and be able to make Make them thirsty for more of the living God. Is that right? Praise God. You see, this is the nature of separation. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Notice again you're in verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. But notice the encouragement of separation and sanctification. And I will receive you. Now this is what I will give you. I'm already living in you. I'm already dwelling in you. But I want to be a further communion which is only offered to my chosen children. Now, the world, many of them will be saved. They will be granted eternal life. But this is granted to those who are a part of my gene pool. They are a part of my DNA. Amen. You will be my sons and my daughters, and I will be your father. Notice in verse 18, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith, the Almighty. Now a father, a true father, is a protector, 
a counselor, a guide. He instructs his children. Praise the Lord. He provides for them. He watches over them. He wants to keep them from danger. Is that right? He wants to keep them from harm. He wants to do everything he can to impart something to them that will help them in life to make life a little bit easier. He's not going around looking for ways to hurt his children. He's not trying to do what he can to make life more difficult. But he loves them as a father. And God said, if you will come to me, and the more you submit to me, the more you will see me. Not that I'm this great, omnipotent, almighty God that's waiting for the opportunity to avenge myself on you when you mess up. But I am your loving father. I will give you counsel. I will give you guidance. I will correct you when you're wrong because my love is tough love. My love, don't let you sin and get by with it and me turn the blind eye. Well, well, he's trying, she's trying. No, God looks at your heart and said, you can do better. You can do better. Hey, I'm tired of this, I'm sorry stuff. I want to see some change in your life, son. I want to see some change in your life, daughter. That's tough love. Oh, praise God. He acknowledges them as his children and he wants them to acknowledge him as their father. Friend, there is no greater honor that could be bestowed upon us as mortals in this life than Almighty God would call us his children. That God would address us as his children and we would be able to address them back as father. Think of it. There are millions of Christians who call him father weekly. But they are not his children. They are categorized as the saved of the nations. If God were their father, they would love his word. And they would act like Papa. Praise the Lord. What, What honor could be given to you? So if you're the valedictorian of your, of your school class, that's a great honor. You had to work hard to be able to achieve such a thing. If you was whatever more in your college class and, and you're a car salesman and oh, you're the salesman of the month and your name gets upon this board there at, at uh, you know, wherever it is you're working or, or, or you're the biggest converter guy in Johnson City. Oh, well, oh, that's a great achievement, no doubt. But every bit of that, oh, it pales in, in comparison to the honor to be called a son or a daughter of God. Something that has been given to us by the grace of God and something that we say and I'm afraid we make it so lightly you ought to praise God every week there shouldn't be a week go by in your life that you don't thank God that you're a son or a daughter of the almighty God instead of belly aching and complaining about all we go through and all the hardships and all the trials. 
You imagine what an honor it is to be able to call the Almighty God Him who made everything from nothing. He who spoke the worlds into existence and yet I am His Son. And I'm not just a, you know, just a little bitty old guy that's standing over here. I am one of His sons. I'm just as important as John, Peter, Paul, Brother Branham. Come on, don't go, don't pass out on me now. I'm talking about sonship. I'm not talking about position. As far as position, I have a very small position. I suggest being a small preacher, but as far as the Son, I'm just as much a son as Peter, James, John, Brother Branham, Bartholomew, Matthew. Hallelujah. The humblest in the family of God, the poorest in the family of God. Those in Africa, India, wherever they are, the poorest countries in the world. But being sons and daughters of God, they stand there just as rich as the richest person in the world. More rich. Oh my. Notice he said, well be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters. Notice now the divine protocol of understanding your position. I find this so amazing, Brother Terry, in the way that Paul wrote this. Well, be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So he doesn't say, saith the Lord Almighty, this, 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 and this, and then father last. But father is first. Then when you're able under the auspices of fatherhood, To look at him as being the Lord Almighty. You do not look at him as taking that omnipotent, wonderful, great power that he has and using it against you. But you look at him through what first? Father. He is my father. When I mess up, yes, he's going to whip me, but he still loves me. Amen. Whenever I mess up, he's going to get me and I'll pay, but I will repent. But I'm still his son. I'm still his daughter. He's still the Lord Almighty. But if you approach him as the Lord Almighty, oh, that mean, terrible God. Oh, oh, oh God, he's so mean. Oh, my, my. Father, Father, Father. There's no way in the world. But when you put it in the proper order, Father first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He loved fatherhood. The prophet said, so he becomes a son oh thank God notice this 2 Corinthians 7 1 having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God it's no use none to preach this to Laodicean foolish virgins in all reality let me be quite frank and honest with you in all reality very little of the New Testament applies to none of that <laughs> oh it's getting warm in here Well, praise the Lord. Now, you sat your opinion. No, it's not my opinion. Let's look at some of the comments now of the Lord Jesus about the world, okay? St. John 15, 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before 
It hated you. Now, the friendship of the world, remember now he's getting ready to, to leave shortly. And he's going to send forth these disciples and they must understand their commission. He wants them to understand the proper doctrine, of course, the Godhead, healing, deliverance, the commission of the church and so on. But they also must understand how the people of the world are going to relate to them. For the most part, they're going to hate you. They're going to despise you. And don't misunderstand when they do. Don't think there's something wrong when the world will laugh and ridicule you because the world will hate you. And because it hated me, it will hate you. So don't become down. Don't become deterred with the commission that I'm going to give you. Go right on with what I've called you to do. Now, this is very difficult, but yet it's the truth we know. Now, many times, you know, if you meet somebody out here in the world, oh my, you know, and they say you've got a long dress on, sister, oh, get out of my way, you know, this and this. Oh, that's one thing. But when there's a family member of yours, which is also identified as cosmos, and they hate you. When a daughter or a son or a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or a grandfather or a grandmother, which is of the world, and when you come out of the world and they turn against you and hate you with such hatred, it baffles your mind. Why? Oh, but that's my granddaughter. That's my son. That's my uncle. That's my... But you're leaving out the most important part. They are of the world. Jesus did not put it in the family categories. Your uncle, your aunt, your grandma, your grandpa. He identified it as world and his own. There's really only two groups. Oh, my. Notice this. That goes on to say, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. Now, remember, they don't even have the Holy Ghost yet, but the high priest is speaking of the culmination of a finished work of what's fixing to transpire in Calvary just a few days. Now, this is going to happen, and then a few days after this, they're going to receive the Holy Ghost. So Jesus is already addressing them as if though they have done moved by new births, they have transcended their mortality. Now, remember, they're not even born again yet. They're justified, they're sanctified, having received the Holy Ghost but they're on their way so he can talk to them like they are that's why I could tell him I'm going away to prepare a place for you not you know who or whoever will or maybe so and so he could go ahead and tell them hey boys for you're y'all part of it so now he's telling them if ye were of the world the world would love his own and of course we know they do so belonging to the world being of the same spirit same motives same objectives then the world loves its own why because it pursues the same practices same beliefs same sinful lifestyle so the world would love its own because like begets like and it loves the same thing but because you're not of the world you're not of the world anymore I was in the world now how strange this must have been because Jesus said when I was in the world father uh, you gave them to me and now I'm giving them back to you when I was in the world and yet he's standing there right now and they're thinking what in the world is he saying uh, when I was in the world but he's looking at he's already amen he's already moved into the completion of his work already foreshadowing the office of the high priest he's in 
interceding for his own. Oh my. He's not just standing on the earth now as a sin bearer. But he's in the foreshadow of the high priest praying for us. As if he was before the throne of God. Already turned back into the pillar of fire. Praying in future tense. Looking at them right there with mortal eyes. Praise be to God. Notice, but because ye are not of the world. And they were still unregenerate. But he's saying, boys, y'all are not of the world. Now, at one time they were. At one time we were. Well, praise God, I made up my mind, hallelujah. I've seen one day, glory to God, I needed to make a change, and I made up my mind, I grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar. Yeah, right, it was your horns that God grabbed a hold of. I made up my mind that if you'd have made up your mind, you'd still be sinning tonight. It was the grace of God that had mercy on us despite our ignorance and our rebellion. Well, praise the Lord. Now being called by Christ, they are set apart and he identifies them. Now notice Jesus moving into this sphere of the office of the high priest. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Notice how he gives us now a masculine gender. Most of the time the world is called a feminine. But here it's masculine, satanic. The world would love his, not her, his own. But because ye are not of the world... Because one day you made up your mind. Oh, you just got so sick of where you were. And you knew there had to be. You might preach that in some message churches, but you ain't preaching it here. My high priest said, but I have chosen you. Of the cosmos. Therefore, the cosmos hateth you. Sisters, we need to understand, and brothers, we need to understand it's not just because of your dress. It's not just because of your hair. It's not just because you don't wear makeup and paint your fingernails and, and you brothers because you ain't got tattoos all over your body. It's not because of the, you know what, I do this and I don't do that. No, that is not it. That is only a symbol and outward show of your answering to a genuine call from God. The reason the world hates you is because Jesus loves you. And Jesus chose you to be his own. Well, I'm this. Forget what you are. Forget what I am. Forget what we do. We are hated because we are chosen by God. By God's mercy. By God's grace. By God's foreknowledge. I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore. Therefore. The world hateth you. Praise God. Now watch him as he moves on into this about the world. In St. John 17, 9. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them which thou hast given me, for they are 
thine. I hope you understand. He wasn't just praying for the twelve, the eleven. He was praying for all thine. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray for them. You mean the loving, tender, forgiving Lord Jesus was not praying for the world? No, and he still don't. Well, praise the Lord, saints. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. The Lord Jesus is not in heaven interceding for the world. The world, don't you understand? There's billions of people on the face of the earth that will never be saved. Wonder how many billions there have been since Calvary on. And how many of them will never come to God of God but let them live 10 million years. At the end of that 10 million years, that's still curse, that spit in his face and deny his name, that blaspheme him. So Jesus said, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for them. I'm so glad I can say I'm one of them. Amen. I'm one of them he was praying for. Anybody else in here tonight feel like you was one of them? He wasn't just praying for Peter. Brother Keith is praying for you. He's praying for you, my brother Jim. He's praying for you, sisters and brothers. I pray for them, Father. Don't pray for the cosmos, the carnal inhabitants. They will be condemned and die. I pray for them. And guess what? Judas wasn't included in the them. (laughs) Hang tight with me now. We're going to weigh deep in some sovereignty. He did not pray to be the perpetuation for every man that would live from there on. He did not come to the earth to be the high priest of every mortal that was going to be from Calvary to the end of the church ages. Well, come on, saints. He did not come to be the husband of every mortal that would live on this earth. He come to redeem his bride. Amen. And they were foreknown by God before the foundation of the world. He prayed for them. He loved them. He died specifically for them. And while he was in the pawn shop getting them, if somebody else wanted to be saved, they were able to come along with them. But he never said, you'll be bride. John the Baptist said, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Amen. And the bride was a part of God's genes before the foundation of the world. He loved you. He saw you. As a matter of fact, the prophet of God said the lamb was slain in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. And God wrote the lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world in the blood of Jesus. And your name is identified with that blood. Hallelujah. Your name is identified with that blood before the world ever began. Before there was ever a cosmos, there was you. Before there was ever a world, there was you as a part of God's thinking. So here's the high priest. 
interceding. If Jesus, Harry, would have prayed for the whole world as high priest, God would have had to force every mortal to be saved. Because the high priest asked for it. And Father, I know you hear me always. So against their will, against their choice, God would have said, you're going to heaven. I don't want to go to heaven. You're going anyhow. So Jesus never prayed contrary to his father's will. Now, this is difficult for us, you see. Because our family members and friends, we want to claim them all as a bride and claim, 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 claim all you want. But your claims will never override the sovereignty of God. Question and answer is 1964. Brother Branham, will the children of all the elect be saved? No, brother, sister, they won't. I agree. Claim them. Yes, be a witness. Do what you can do. But when it comes right down to it, outside of the elect, it's their choice. Outside of the bride of Christ, the elect of God, we can teach our children and we should do it. We can pray for them and we should do it. But the bottom line is you'll never claim them into the election of God. That's not by claiming. It's by predestination. <laughs> well, some of you didn't like that, but it's a truth anyhow. You imagine these words. Oh, my, I've just been reading this over and over again, just trying to absorb it. It's, the words are so few here, but the volumes that's contained in it, I pray for them. Them who? Those whom thou hast given me. He can pray with all confidence. Now, come on, let's be honest. We pray for our kids. We pray for our aunts and uncles, grandmas, grandpas, in-laws, outlaws. Um, to be honest with you, I don't know anybody I want to be lost. Do you? Is there anybody you really want to be lost and go to hell? I don't know of anybody. No matter how mean they are and what they've done, how mean they've been to me or you, still, to me, I wouldn't want anybody to go to that wretched place of the lost. But it's not my prayer that'll save them. They have to believe. Well, Brother Donnie, I'm claiming, I'm claiming, sure. Question answer 64, he tells us that. Brother Brandon, well, can a mother claim her children? Sure, that mother's heart reaching out. Can they be saved? Yes, if they will believe what you believe. Come on, go ahead and read the rest of the quotes. Don't just isolate certain ones that supports what you say. Let's read the whole thing. Praise God for these that you have given me out of the world. Now there's 11 standing there physically. But can you imagine him being able to be transported down through the end of the church ages and see this spiritual mystical body being built on the earth by seven church age messengers. And sing the throng of that multitude as he's praying and saying, Father, I pray for them all. Yeah. 
You were there. <laughs> They're distinct from the world. They're, they, they was a part of it. But in their soul, they never belong there. I pray for them. For thine, it goes on to say, thine are mine. Not merely by creation. God could claim all of humanity as a, as a potter taking lumps of clay and making this and that. And God can say it all belongs to me. And he could say that. And when he says all thine are mine and all mine are thine. He's going beyond just mere creation. But sovereignty precedes existence. Lord Jesus, that was a good one. Praise God. Divine sovereignty, amen, goes before nor mortal existence, friends. Notice this, by divine providence, by eternal election in the purpose of God, all thine are mine. I pray for them. All thine are mine. All, not just these 11, all. You see, between the purpose of God and the atonement, point A and point B, there's a highway for the elect to walk on. That highway is Christ Jesus. So here we are, we're in the very, very purpose of God before the foundation of the world. Adam was lost, so the book was lost with him. How do we get from that spot? So the sovereignty ends up at the end road. How in the world are we going to get from there? God's own heart projects it from Christ. From the Old Testament, he began to reveal Christ. What was it? Slowly unfolded mystery. That was him in the types. That was him in the shadows. That was him in the scarlet. That was him in the purple. That was him in the high priest. That was him in the garments and, and the pomegranates. That was him. Oh, hallelujah. That was him in Joseph. That was him in David. That was him and Moses. That was him and Jeremiah. What was it? God paving the highway from the Old Testament down to the true atonement in the new, getting us from point A where we fell to point B. Our destiny when we are made manifest in flesh and the attribute of God is brought upon the earth, redeemed back to that holy city of God. All thine are mine. These are thine, Father. I pray for them. You see, between the purpose of the atonement and the divine sovereignty of God, this high priestly prayer brings it all together. I realize there's folks in the message that are preaching that we no longer need a priest. The days of the blood's over. Well, they may not need one, but I sure do. And I'll go ahead and say it for them. They need one too. Oh yeah, there's preachers preaching that we don't need the blood of Jesus and the church ages is it over and it all ended with that. And now if you want to get any mercy, come to the bride. And, and you tell me, where'd you get your mercy at? You're going to tell me you can forgive my sins? You're going to tell me you can pardon, you can stand between me and God and be my pardon? I'll call you a liar and a false prophet. My Bible tells me there is one mediator between God and man, and that man ain't you. That woman ain't you. It is the man, Christ Jesus. You can pray for me all you want, my brother. I'm not basing my faith upon your prayer. I'm basing it upon his prayer. Amen. He prayed for me. (sighs) 
by virtue of election from eternity, they were given into his bosom. He did not pray for all. He did not die for all. He did not come for all. Go ahead. Take your hands and... The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So do you think he lived a vain, a vain life? You think his purpose is not fulfilled and finished? So the Lord Jesus come to save everybody in the world and the majority of them is going to hell. Sound like to me he's a bigger failure than I am. If he come to save everybody, he's way bigger failure than you've ever been. Because there's been billions of people lived on the face of the earth. And if he come to save them all and he don't do it, he's sure a weak Lord Jesus. But he didn't come to save everybody. He didn't come to redeem everybody. He come to redeem those that were redeemable and to save those that were savable, which is not the same thing at all. Well, praise be to God. And he prayed for those that were part of his economy and everything he prayed for will be answered. Can we go a little bit farther? Y'all over your head, yeah. Verse, verse 10. All mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am. Uh-oh. Here's the I am again. I am glorified. He ain't even died yet. They ain't even got the Holy Ghost yet. Don't you understand? He's standing there in the future. Glory to God. Oh, I'd love to take another series off on this on the side. He's standing there, better tell the church ages. He's standing there as high priest. The blood has been shed. The Holy Ghost has already come back. He's standing there in the office of high priest, praying, Father, they're yours, they're mine. I'm glorified in them. They ain't even got the Holy Ghost yet. They're arguing over who's going to be the biggest, who's going to be this, and who's going to be that. But he is high priest. Oh, glory to God. Amen. This is why he has confidence. It ain't in you. It ain't in me. It's his own work. Let's stand. Let's stand. Yeah, we have to, Brother Terry. Praise God. He speaks of things which are not. But things that he he speaks of them as they should be and will be. So I said in St. John 14, behold, I go away to prepare a place for you. It does not yet appear what we shall be, John said. 
But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. But we shall see him as he is. All mine are thine, and thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. He anticipates with great divine expectation of what will be not only in these eleven. He's rejoicing over me. He's rejoicing over you. He's testifying of future ages. Praise God. I'm glorified in my Holy Ghost filled musicians. I'm glorified in my Holy Ghost filled songwriters that write songs. I'm glorified in, in the singers that I can anoint and they give me the glory and they don't take the credit themselves. Father, I'm glorified in them. Here he is standing there in time, still in time, but praying as if though he's in the midst of the church ages. <sighs> Praise to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's as if though their humanity is ever present and he's dealt with it and even sighed and sorrowed because of their, their carnality and their humanity be here by the intercessory moment before his crucifixion. He's allowed to go in as if the Father is giving him this to encourage him. Do this, my son. Do this, my body. Do this, my humanity. This is your reward. This is why you are doing it. It's not just for them out yonder that can be saved. This is absolute. <laughs> this is not whosoever will. This is absolute. Because they are part of the absolute. This you can pray for. In advance. This will not fail. Some will come and go. Some will come and stay for a while and leave. These will never leave. Your work will not be in vain. Your suffering. I wonder how many he saw. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. What joy! Praise God. Don't you see why the Lord gives us positive things sometimes and when we're going through hard times, He gives us something positive to look forward to. Why? He knows how that helps. It helps Him. It helped Him. So He saw you and you and you and you and around the world He saw them. And He prayed for them. And He come to this understanding. All thine are mine. And all mine are thine. And I pray, Father, that they may be as one, even as you and I are one. Look, friends, makes no difference how many divisions are among us. Makes no difference how much controversy, difference of opinion, this and that and the other. There is a one true deity oneness. 
that will be on this bride before she leaves in spite of every false doctrine in spite of ever error, ever little dis- personal disagreement and so on and so on, that's part of the high priest's prayer. It will be answered. I pray they will be one even as we are one. Lord. Let's bow it together. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you tonight, Father, for these precious words. Oh, Lord, I'm so grateful, Father, that your elect will be there. How many have we seen, Lord, through the years come and go just in our church alone? People come get on fire with God and be here for a while and you miss them and then you go to looking at them. Where are they? And you see them somewhere and they're dressed like the world, acting like the world again, doing like the world. Some of them never come back. Some come back and go back out again. But there is an absolute, which is part of the absolute because they are the absolute DNA of God. Amen. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful tonight to be a part of that, Father. Thank you for praying for me. You told Peter that day, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Everything about him failed. But his faith didn't and couldn't because that was the avenue you prayed for. Praise God. We may lose a business. We may lose friends. We may lose loved ones. We may lose this and that and the other. No doubt you didn't pray would keep all of our friends. No doubt you didn't pray would keep all the adventures we start. But you prayed for what we would have need of. And those things will endure forever. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, I wasn't there physically. But I believe I was represented In those little words, I pray for them. I pray for them. Father God, I pray you'd bring encouragement, healing, peace, deliverance to the needs of your children tonight, Lord. If there's one here tonight, Father, that still only looks at you as that all-powerful, all-omnipotent God, but still an element of servitude out of fear, and sort of like a, an, an abusive father, a, a mean father or a mean stepfather that raised his voice. And every time he would raise his voice, we would tremble. God, I pray you would help us to get rid of that idea. Help us to see, Lord, you're the very epitome of love. Help us, Lord Jesus, not to serve you out of that type of fear. But out of love. One of the true signs we know, Lord, you've given us in your word of a false prophet is that he always tries to hold the people by fear. How many of these men around the message, Lord, that have started these man-made cults and isms? And when people go to pull away from them, they'll always revert to fear. You better not say nothing against me. I'm a man of God. I'm this and that and the other. To real Bible taught people, it's one of the first signs of a false prophet. Amen. 
Lord Jesus, I pray you would help us. We want to live for you. Help our sisters, our young people, every one of us to dress the way we dress out of love, not out of fear. Oh, sure, we could put on worldly clothes. There's nothing going to stop us. Angels ain't going to come down in our room or angels ain't going to come down at the mall and knock one of the sisters in the head if she was to buy an indecent dress. No, that won't happen. Angels of God wouldn't even strike her dead. More than likely, if she tried on something in her dressing room that wasn't decent, no. We don't want to serve you with that kind of fear. But we want to serve you with so much love in our heart. Even if there's a question about something, Lord, as far as it appearing worldly or looking like the world. Father, we just want to be so sensitive. All it takes is a nod. We don't need 47 pages of quotes and 37 pages of scriptures. And, and then a thus saith the Lord and a vision and 42 dreams on the side. Lord, all you got to do is just speak to us, Father. We want to be that kind of children. We don't want to be a bunch of stubborn, hard-headed hogs that you've got to beat all the way to the kingdom of God. Lord, I don't want to have to be beat. I want to be led. I'm a sheep, not a hog. Amen, Lord. We love you, Father. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Praise your holy name tonight, Father. We bless your name. For you are worthy, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Help us to separate. Help us, Lord, to come apart. Not just for the sake of coming apart, but the reward of coming apart is so magnificent and so wonderful. I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Praise God. We worship you tonight, Jesus. Can we just raise our hands? We worship you, Prince of Peace. Almighty God, there is none like you. Oh, praise the Lord. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. Amen. I pray for them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hey, can we sing that? I worship you. Can we just worship him just a little bit before we go? Now, don't, don't just answer me yes or praise the Lord or whatever because it's the, the thing you're expected to do. But aren't you glad to be called a son and a daughter of God? If you was called president, all people would honor you. If you was a senator or a governor or a mayor or something like that, and people say, oh, your honor, sir, uh, your mayor, judge, so-and-so, and president, so-and-so. But my goodness, friends, there's nothing that you can be called any greater than to be called the children of God. And then what did he do? He gave you a double title. He called you not only children, but he called you bride. I no longer call you church, but I call you bride. Let's just sing it together and worship him just a little bit. I worship you. Yes, Father. We do with all of our hearts, Lord Jesus. Almighty God, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, great high priest. If there's one here tonight that you prayed for that's not where they need to be, move them into that cycle, Lord God. I worship. If there's some that you prayed for that's not saved yet, bring them in, God. Some that's backslidden, bring them in, God. Some that don't have the Holy Ghost, fill them, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Nobody loves me 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's just bow our heads and thank Him for this food. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for meeting with us here tonight, Lord. Speaking to our hearts once again as only you can do. We're grateful for this hidden manna, praise God, stored up food to sustain us in this end time. Lord Jesus, as we depart now, a couple of more days remaining in the work week, to we're able to return again to the weekend, to set our feet once again at the table of the king, to hear the king describe to us that most beloved city, that he's gone to prepare for those he prayed for. You have such confidence in your work. You know exactly how big to make the city. You know how many theophanies to make, and you created them out of your eternal essence and gave them being before the foundation of the world. There won't be one theophany left, and there won't be one extra person showing up needing one. For you know how... Hallelujah to God. You know how many was in your book before the world began and you knew they were unstoppable. You knew Satan could never stop them. Satan could never pull them away from you. Hallelujah to God. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. Help us tonight, Father. Go with us now, Lord. Bring us back at the appointed time, we pray, Lord. Watch over us by your grace. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. See you this weekend. Nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. I stand in all of your amazing ways. I worship you as long as I am breathing. God, you are that you painted for me a love letter in the sky story I could have had a really different story but you came down from heaven Stand it on.
around 